Well, good morning, good morning, right? As you know, I always like to encourage you guys to read the Word of God, and I encourage you this week to read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, especially in light of today's message and, and the following messages. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. I always encourage you guys to constantly be in prayer with someone. I hope you're praying with someone every day. And if you forget it and you forgot, just don't try to make up for the prayers. Just, just pray because that will be a long time. Just, just sometimes just pray. Just go for it. And then also I like to encourage you guys to always you know, pray about maybe someone you'll be able to share the Lord to. You know, maybe God will use you somehow. Maybe through a text, an email, a phone call, or a simple conversation. Uh, we have these tracks in the back. Uh, they're over in the foyer to your right as soon as you walk. You can use the Roman road or you can use steps with peace with God. And you can just hand these out. You know, that's just as, just as good as, as using your own mouth. Uh, because God will use anything. He used a donkey. He can definitely use us. So let us go now to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything that you have done. God, there is just a lot that you have blessed us with. And God, there is a lot of evil that's in this world. But we know that you are greater than all the evil. We know that you are greater than all the sin. We know that you are greater than everything in this world. For you are the creator and sustainer of everything. And your plan is going just fine, even though at times it is hard to see. But Lord, we ask that you help us see your hand at work. Help us see your plan at work. Help us to remember there will be a day of judgment. Help us to remember that there is an end to all of this. That this will not go on and on and on. But there is an end to all of this and there is an eternity, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Lord, help us remember that. And help us to remember that the greatest expression of your love for us, that we can know for a fact that you love us despite all of our sins and failures and inconsistencies, is seen in the cross. And Lord, may that melt our hearts that we come to you with repentance, throwing away our sins and and turning from them and clinging to you simply by the hand of faith, an empty hand, Lord. Lord, be with all those churches that are meeting across the world. Be with the missionaries and those meeting underground, above ground, in any place, in in twos and ones and hundreds and thousands, whatever be the case, Lord. We pray that you are with them as you are with us. And we pray, Lord, that we can remember we are all in this together. And And your will will be accomplished through us. For your word never comes back void. And neither do we. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. You know, with everything going on in our world today and everything going on in our lives, too often we forget, too often we forget that Jesus Christ came to rescue us, to give us rescue. He came to, to free us. You know, this whole thing of him leaving heaven, coming down to earth, coming to his creation, to be amongst his people, him going to the cross, dying for our sins, and coming back to life. It's not just a nice story of God coming to earth, though it's very much presented that way. It's not just a nice concept or another piece of history to which we learn about and file away in our brains and, you know, throw and put under the dirt 
to say that's the nice treasure, we'll keep it away. No, this gospel story is all about an amazing event, an extraordinary concept that God the Father sent God the Son out of love for a people who have rejected Him and mocked Him. In love, Christ came to this earth to save us, to rescue us, to to give us and establish peace between God and man who are at war with each other. He came to free us from this world that is full of darkness. He came to liberate us from the power of sin in our life. He came to break us free from the chains of death that constantly loom around us. This gospel message is all about how God has graciously done everything for us in and through Christ. For us to be His, His people who can have rest now in this exhausting and horrifying world. You know, to be a people who don't have to live in fear about the future or fear of our current situations in life. You know, this gospel message is a message that reveals that we don't have to be a people who live in discouragement of how things are turning out for us. This message says that through faith in Christ, now all things are working out for our good in Him. Even if we can't see it or feel it in the moment, by faith we know it and we rest in it. For this gospel says God is on our side. And when we look to the gospel, it shows that God, through Christ's finished work, has done everything for us to be a people now who live in victory over absolutely everything. And we are now a people who are more than conquerors in this world. That's not just said for sentimental issues. You know, For all is done and won and and has been attained for us in Christ by faith alone. Christ has won and he he did it. He beat this world, this world system of of death and sin. And we get to reap the, the rewards of his winnings by faith alone in him. For we live by faith in Christ and his finished works. We don't rely upon what we did or what we do or what we can do. To, to be right with God or to gain His favor over our, in our life or to gain His love upon us in this world. We have, we have these things solely by faith in Christ. That's it. And also, by faith in Christ, we don't have to live and worry about losing God's love and favor over us by what we do or don't do. We don't have to live and worry that He's going to come against us because we failed Him. That he's going to get back at us because we sinned against him, like he's some angry person. For again, this good news says that all has been accomplished by Christ for us to be in right standing with God, no matter how many times we fail him, no matter how hard we fall, no matter how many times or how hard we sin. No matter how many times we just can't seem to get it together, for through faith in Christ, God is not against us, but is for us. And Jesus Christ is the proof of that. He took all of our condemnation to make us right before God by faith alone. And we now have been truly set free from the power of sin to have rest before him. And up to this point then, in in Ephesians, for the most part, that's what Paul has been saying over and over and over again. He has been going over the height and the depth and the width and the length of God's gracious love over us through faith in Christ, and that we are now called His blessed children. Meaning that you and me individually can rest in Jesus. You are now a new creation. 
For now, by faith in Christ, you are no longer defined by your sins or defined by your greatest accomplishments. But you are now defined and also find all your identity in what Jesus has done, who he is. And that's what Paul has been saying through chapter 1 through chapter 3 of this whole book. And now in chapter 4, he's kind of been transitioning from what God has done for us through faith in Jesus to now what God is doing, working in and through us simply by having faith in Christ. Paul is now moving and moving in and revealing to us the very grounded and practical consequences of what a life of a free person in Jesus Christ looks like. He begins here over the next few chapters, really, of showing what it means to be free from the power of sin and death in our life. He begins to expose what this putting on a new man looks like in real time, in a very practical and concrete sense. Now, it's important to keep in our minds then As we come to this part of the book, we need to notice that the sins that he lists and exposes and talks about, and we're only going to go over one of them today. That's verse, we're only going to look at verse 25. But nevertheless, the sins that are here, they are sins that have been and are currently being committed at the churches in Ephesus, yet they are still Christians. They are committing these things. So they're not lesser Christians or second-class Christians, but they're simply Christians. Paul has opened up this book by calling them in chapter 1 that they are the saints in Ephesus, verse 1 and verse 1 in chapter 1. They are faithful in Jesus, even though they're committing these things. He says they are blessed in verse 3 with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even though they're committing these things. Why? Because Christianity is all about what Christ has done for you. That's what saves us. Through faith, we are declared legally righteous before God. Not by what we do, but by whom we believe, namely Jesus Christ. And yet through our faith in Him and our growing relationship with Him by faith day by day, through reading His Word, hearing His Word, praying His Word, all by faith, consequently... God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, applies God's word to our hearts, to our minds, to our actions, and to our attitudes. Even if we still mess up and sin along the way and fail, he's still applying it. Because, but, so when, when we do these things, because we have faith in Christ, the very sins that Christ came to die for, that we did and do and will do, become exposed then to us. And then we get to see how we are free from these sins, from their power over us, by focusing on Christ. He shows them and then we run to Christ. So what this means then, Paul here in our text, moving forward, is not giving us a big list of do's and don'ts. Paul is not saying, try harder, do more. Though many approach this passage and part of the book this way. And I don't know how much really that helps. I don't know how much that helps us. Because, I mean, if we, were, if we could not overcome our sin by our own strength before we knew Christ by faith, 
why would we now be able to do such a thing in our own strength now, now that we know Christ? For self-reliance is the problem. That's what got us in the problem in the first place. I'm strong enough. I'm mentally, I I can do this. Um, That's the problem, this me-centered attitude. That's what causes us to sin. Christ came so we can die to self and live to him. Live by dependence upon him. That's what he's exposing here. You couldn't do it in the first place and you can't do it after. It's all by Christ, through Christ, in Christ. So when, we, so, when, uh, so when we see what Paul says here in our Bibles, we need to understand that these truths are not for us out to, to go out and, and obtain and get. These are things that we already have in Christ by faith in him. We have put on the new man already. We are a new creation already by faith in Christ. So Paul is starting in in verse 25 then here, is basically giving us a, a commanding invitation to live out our freedom that we already have by faith in Christ. For the power of sin and death has been broken over us. And through faith in Christ, changes in our life will happen. Even if they're on a small scale, they will necessarily and consequently happen to us. As I've stated before, maybe not on the same level of what you and I may think or expect. They might, the changes might not happen in, in our lives to the degree that, we, that we, you know, we've read about people who just like, they all of a sudden just drop it and then they're able to go. I mean, that doesn't happen all the time. For we will struggle with our sins in our life until we meet Christ face to face on the other side of eternity. Yet, 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 on this side of eternity, our distaste for sins will grow as we struggle. And change will and is happening to us because God is working in us through faith in Christ. So our title today is, You Are a Person of Truth. You are this by faith in Christ. So we're going to look at the text. We're going to look and see what spiritual blessing and gift we already have by faith in Christ so we can expose that to the world through our life and to show that we are truly a free people before him. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now notice Paul here, it says in real time, like right now, because we have faith in Christ, we have put all falsehoods away. We have done this. We have put away all lies in all forms. You've done it. It's done. Or put differently, you have been freed from all falsehoods and freed from all lies in all forms. And this brings us to our first point. We are to speak only truth. You no longer need to speak lies to those around you. But you are now to speak truth and be speakers of truth all the time. Our words are to be only of truth. For our identity now is found in Christ and he is truth. And his truth is working in us through faith. So we are to reflect that truth. Reflect that we know the truth in our lives and and live Lives of truth and say the truth that's in our lives. That's what he's getting here. 
We are free from trying to protect our identity or our position or status. We are free from trying to word things to look like we are successful in this world with whatever it is. We are free to speak of our failures and sins and and not hide them. For our goal in this life and, and God's goal with us is not to be Success, successful servants or a successful servant. In, in the world's eyes or even in the eyes of those around you. We don't use the world's standards or traditions or measures of what it means to be a successful Christian. Our goals and our values are what God's goals and values are now with us. And that is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ through faith in Him. That's what it means to speak truth, which means we have to admit our failures, admit our sins, admit our weaknesses. Our, so, so, so the way we speak truth to each other, about each other, and about ourselves is all done in truth by faith in Christ, or at least it needs to be. See, you have been freed to have Christ work his truth within you by faith in him. For we are to find our everything in him and to find, our no- and find nothing in ourselves. For through him we have, all ex- we have all the acceptance and the approval we need. He is our firm foundation in this world. He is our rock. He is our joy. He is our peace. He is our life. And when we, for- when we forget that in our thoughts... In our hearts, in our minds, it is reflected in our speech. And we end up lying because uh, because the focus then becomes on ourselves. Because we want to make ourselves look good. Not not that we are sinners in need of grace. We we will say that, you know, when we, we came to Christ, that, oh, that, yes, I'm a sinner in need of grace when we first come to Jesus. But then as we become Christian, as we as we have this faith for a while it seems all of a sudden kind of weak or ungodly to say that. That you're a sinner in need of His grace. We want things to seem bigger or better than what they are and we try to find our identity in people's values of us rather than Christ's value of us. Or we'll put someone down or speak little of them so we can get what we want or have something done our way even though we know there's a completely different option but we don't like it, so we'll make the other person or thing look bad because we don't prefer it, and we want to make life all about ourselves and our comforts rather than finding all of our comfort in Christ. Or the very opposite. We want to get people's sympathy and attention, so we'll make things look worse than they actually are, and we dramatize everything, everything that's going on in our life or our, or our situation, so we can get all the attention we desire rather than finding all of our attention in Christ. See, because lying makes things about you, no matter how big or how small or even how practical a lie may seem. But Paul says you have been freed from self, freed from this falsehood, freed from bluntly lying, but also passively lying. Remember, it's all forms. See, you are a person of truth, and all falsehood is put away. Even the passive things that we don't realize. And this is what I mean. 
You are free from having to put on this facade that you got it all together. Freed from trying to seem stronger than you are because you don't want to seem weak in your Christian walk and reveal that your faith is really not that strong. You just have some good behavior habits, but inside you're dying. You have been freed from lying to say that you don't need help when you know you need it because you're afraid you will lose a certain godliness status amongst pe- in people's eyes if you do ask for help with something in your life. So you keep this image up of self-reliance and turn people away who truly ask you if they can help. Paul says you are free to speak the, tr- the truth to the people around you without the worry of what they may think of you. For your identity is not found in what others think anymore. Your identity is found in what Christ has done for you and accomplished for you so you can admit your weaknesses, worries, and fears. You are free now in Christ to speak the truth about your marriage, maybe, and how you may need help in dealing with your spouse rather than just putting up this false image that everything is okay, but you know it's not, and there are major issues that have to be dealt with, like maybe financials or maybe emotional tension that's going on. Paul says you are free to speak the truth without worrying about protecting your seemingly perfect Christian reputation of your marriage that you've had for so long. Because your reputation is not found in how people perceive you, but it's found, your reputation is found in Christ. You are free to ask for help in raising your kids or maybe your grandkids. You are free to admit that maybe at times you don't know what you're doing with them. So you can ask for help on how to invest in them so they know the ways of the Lord without seeming like you're a bad Christian parent for not, or grandparent for not having all the right answers. For your hope is not, for your hope for your children or grandchildren is found in Christ, not in yourself. You are free to be open on how sometimes you get frustrated maybe with your adult children. And you have made things worse because of your speech to them and are in need of godly counsel on how to approach them now rather than making it seem like they're the problem alone. So you won't seem like you're, you're a Christian who still messes up things. And you don't want to look like a failure in the eyes of those around you. You are free now. For you know that Christ is the one who can truly restore things. Not you. Not by your own wit. You are free to say that you've had a bad week at work and are concerned that you might lose your job or or just having a hard time being there because you feel so belittled and you don't like the people around you. And so you need prayer to calm your soul so you can sleep at night and have a loving attitude towards them without this worry of looking like you're a really bad Christian person in the eyes of those around you. For you know your strength comes from the Lord, from reliance upon Him, and not not in yourself. You are free to speak how you get frustrated, maybe, with your physical ailments, and ask people to pray that God gives you peace, peace and strength to press on, because you are tired and you are worried of what the future may hold for you because of all that's going on inside you. You're worried about your family. You're worried about your spouse. You're worried about what's going to happen 
without this concern of seeming like a weak, unholy Christian. Because you know your holiness comes from Christ. Not you. For your status as a Christian in any situation is not found in what others think, but in Christ alone. For you know the truth that your failures and worries and concerns are covered in Christ so you can speak truthfully. You have been freed in whatever situation to speak truth and not lies like, like all is okay and it's not. You are free to admit you have concerns, worries, doubts, fears, and truthfully ask others to pray for you and not feel ashamed or awkward that you are asking for prayer on something that others seem to have under control or are not seemingly worried about, but you are. I mean, how many times have we been asked if there's anything that you, we could pray about and we give the excuse, oh, I, just, I can't think of anything. And oh, you know there's a lot. You know, and you just say something general like, oh, pray I have a good week. But there's so much that we just don't want to admit because of our pride won't let us because we want to seem we're more godly than we are. See, we are free to seek godly advice and counsel on how to handle this thing called life. And admit you can't handle it on your own. Admit that maybe at this moment you're having a hard time dealing with your life because all you're seeing is negative things and you need help in seeing the hand of God at work in your life and around your life right now. If that's you, that doesn't make you a lesser Christian in speaking to someone about that or asking for help. That doesn't make you any less of a Christian at all. It doesn't make you any less holy, any less righteous. Nothing. For we are to speak all truth now. Because we put away all falsehood. See, in all these things, we can passively lie about things and not speak truth. Which I know I've been guilty of or have been guilty of. Of many of these things as a pastor. Because you know, i got to make it seem like I have it all together. Because otherwise I'm going to lose my godly status before people. That's not true. I'm a sinner just like you. And all my status comes from Christ. We all need to remember that we have put away all falsehood. He is our identity. And what He has done, not what we do, but what has been done for us. For we know the truth, and His name is Jesus. So moving on then, Now, when Paul says, speak the truth with his neighbor, that context, that definition, right, of that neighbor, who that neighbor is, Paul's meaning the church, how we interact with each other. This is not like some out there concept he's talking about here. The neighbor is the person sitting next to you. And you look, oh, there's no one there. I don't have to worry about it. (laughs) No, look a little bit farther down or in front of you. In front, you can look behind. (laughs) See, we are, 
Now, now this doesn't mean we don't, it's like, oh good, then I get to lie to those outside the church. No, that doesn't mean we don't speak the truth to those outside. We're always to speak of the truth, no matter who we're speaking to. But that's not the focus here of the text. The church is the focus. For he says we are members of one another. Paul's great concern in this letter is our relationship with each other. We are the church. We are his people who Christ has bought with his blood. And what Christ has done for us through the cross is more than just staying united together and sitting with each other on a Sunday morning. For it's not just unity that Paul is concerned about here, as important as that is, and it's very important. But Paul is getting at something that goes even deeper that hopefully expand our minds and understandings of, of, of how we deal and view each other in the church through faith in Christ. And this brings us to our second and last point. Our bond is in the truth. What Paul is getting at is that we are to speak the truth to each other because we belong with each other. We're not just united in Christ, but we are members of each other. Like, for example, whether we realize it or not, we're all looking for a place of belonging. Okay, a place or a group of people that we can say, ah, yes, these are my people. They get me. I can be honest here. I can let my guard down. I can speak openly because these people are my family. They are my friends. They've got, they've got my back and I got theirs. And in Christ, by faith, this is true of us. For we are one people group through him and we are all sinners who are in need of grace and speak much of his grace. See, that's what Paul wants us to see and why we must speak the truth to each other and not lies or falsehoods. For we are members of each other and we are meant to grow together. We belong together. You belong here. For we have Christ. You have Christ. And we are to speak truth to each other no matter our age or background or experiences. We belong to each other as one big family and we support each other. And it's hard to support and build each other up if we're lying to each other about how actually we are or what we're struggling with. Lies always cover up. Lies hide things. Lies make things all about you and not the other. Lies make life about you at the expense of other. For lies, active or passive, hinder relationships no matter no matter what, because lies prevent healing. They pre- it prevents growth. It prevents restoration. But when we speak the truth, it heals. It brings people together and lets, them, lets growth flourish. For Christ has accomplished this for us by faith in Him. You're like, well, how? What? For it was an Old Testament promise that was made that has now been fulfilled by him and in him. Paul's not just saying this for no reason. When Paul says, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, he is quoting Zechariah 8.16. In the Hebrew, there's translated a little bit different in the English, but if you were to do a word for word, it's the same thing. This passage that Zechariah speaks of in the Old Testament was and is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Zechariah 8.16, this is where God says, these are the things you shall do. Speak the truth to one another, your neighbor. Render your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. So that section, speak the truth of one another. The context of Zechariah 8 as a whole is Speaking when God will save his people and dwell with them and manifest his presence with them. 
And when this happens, what will happen? They will speak truth. And guess what? This, is, this can be seen what Christ has done for us. He rescued us. He dwells with us. We are God's people now by faith in Christ who have put away all falsehoods because of what Christ has done. For God dwells amongst us. We have the Holy Spirit living inside. I don't know how much closer you can get currently to God than the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So when we come together, we speak truth. It reveals our freedom in Jesus. It helps others see their freedom in Jesus too and gives them encouragement to let the truth of Christ reign in their lives, their thoughts, and their speech. For the way that we kill lies in our life is by telling the truth. And we have that truth and His name is Jesus. He has, we, uh, he has freed us to speak truthfully of our sins to each other so that we can be reminded that we are forgiven, reminded that our debt has been paid, and be encouraged to repent of them and know that our sins do not define who we are even though we struggle with them. By faith in Christ, we have been set free. His truth has set us free. Even if we don't feel like it at times, we are a free people now, and the power of sin holds nothing over us. We are no longer condemned, so we can be honest with each other, even if that means we have to admit our wrongs to each other. Now, I want to be clear of something. I'm not saying, nor is this passage saying, that you have to tell everyone everything. Okay? For no one deserves to know everything about you. Know that, only Christ. That's it, and he already does. Okay? All this passage is saying, some people are like, well, you have to tell me everything. No, 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 I don't have to tell you everything. (laughs) I know the gossips out there. I'm one of them. So, anyways. (laughs) This passage is saying to be truthful in all that you say. And not hide things because you're worried about your identity. Okay, that's a difference. For your identity is in Christ now, and it's okay to say, I'm not okay. Because of Jesus, we know that he'll end up being okay. All things work for the good of those who love Christ. For his victory is our victory, his achievements are our achievements, and his rest is our rest. If we keep our eyes on Christ, he will work the truth in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He will give us the words to say and how to say them, and we will speak the truth because we want to, for we are truly free. Even if we fail, which we will, we are still free, for we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone, and that's where we find our rest, hope, peace, joy, and our identity So let this law expose your sin and let the gospel remind you of Christ's perfect righteousness attributed to you by faith alone so you can be free and rest in His gospel of grace. For in Jesus it is truly finished. Let us go to the Lord in prayer as the deacons will come forward. If you want to pray with someone, they're here. You want to pray where you are, that's fine too. If you don't know Jesus, I invite you to know Him today. Heavenly Father, we come before You today. God, thank You for the truth. Thank You for being truthful with us. God, when we read Your Word, Your faith, Your Word exposes all of our sins. There is no hiding block. 
There is nothing to hide. You know it. And God, as, as, as convicting as that is, Lord, let us be encouraged by it because yet you still love us and sent your son to die for us. Help us be bold and to be encouraged and to move forward, to know that you've got it all under control. We just trust in you. Help us to rest in your grace and to repent of our sins and flee from them. And God, I pray that if anyone's having any struggles or issues or not knowing how to handle this thing called life, that Lord, that they go to you and that they'll seek someone out in the church to pray with them, to encourage them. That they'll be, get more connected than they already are through Bible studies or whatever be the case. Help us, Lord, to constantly place you at the center. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.